Hey, it's Peter here with my FSHD. Beautiful Saturday morning in the high Sierra Nevada. Um, you know us, we're down in uh, Carson City, well, actually west part of Carson City, up the slopes of uh, uh, the Sierra Nevada mountain range on, our, on your way to Tahoe, south of Reno. Uh, you know, we're living out in the old Wild West, and you know, oddly enough, the Wild West is beautiful and remarkably safe. Um, and, uh, you know, there's reasons for that. So, uh, yeah, it's been, a, yeah, you know, we're running behind, you know, we're running behind. We're just, uh, you know, we live and breathe, uh, FSHD, uh, we kind of our lives revolve around FSHD, which is pretty, pretty unusual, I guess, maybe because, um, we don't actually have FSHD, um, in our direct family. We just consider the FSHD community, our family, but we do have other family. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, my mom, you've heard my mom lives in town and, uh, you know, she came here and we love having her in town see her for for dinner on Wednesdays and have her over every Sunday and and you know see her also during the week doctor's appointments and stuff well you know she took a tumble I uh, wasn't paying attention on the way to the mailbox at her apartment complex and fell and broke her nose so you know spent a spent a good deal of time in the uh, in the emergency room um, last night so running behind she's doing okay got uh, kind of banged up luckily not not any real well, you don't kind of broken nose, real damage, you know, it's just, uh, you know, but once you hit 87, you know, who are you trying to impress? Actually, a broken nose, you know, it's, I just told her to say, hey, you know, you should see the other guy, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, you know, it looks like she's been in a street fight. And honestly, I put my mind, but put my money on my mom versus most people in a street fight too. Um, actually, she spent most of her career as a fighter and um, both in uh, politics, um, in the business world and, uh, Oh, hell, she started actually, um, well, I guess she'd be, nowadays she'd be classified as a domestic terrorist um, because uh, she got into things back uh, by the PTA, back when there were uh, strikes in the Toledo Public Schools and uh, to try to get the schools back open. And uh, um, so she started, actually, she started an organization called PASSIT, People Actively Supporting Schools in Toledo. And um, became very active locally and uh, really showed me what one person can do uh, when they uh, are motivated and capable. And uh, most people are capable, actually. They're just not motivated. Uh, and, uh, and it was really amazing growing up watching um, how much positive impact she had on the community um, with uh, full support from my dad, which often, frankly, you don't get. She taught me that... Uh, how to be part of a team as well, um, and the team working together for the greater good. So anyway, mom's feeling better today. I'm still kind of banged up, but but we're running a little behind. But that's cool, you know. It's uh, she's uh resting up, and uh, we're gonna. I'll make her some crab cakes tomorrow. I figure. What do you think? You know, you're banged up. What do you want? Crab cakes, uh, grill out a ribeye. That's her favorite. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe make a strawberry shortcake or something. Anyway, that's what we're going to do. Um, but here we are. It's, uh, it's uh, my FSHD. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, we're going to talk some FSHD um, and what's going on. So on Wednesday, I actually, um, you know, I posted something that was a little confusing to some people. It said, setting squirrel traps while elephants stomp you into pancakes, you know. And I, you see a lot of times I use movie quotes and such, and which is strange because I actually don't see a lot of movies. I just see the same movies over and over and over so that they're drilled in my head. So it seems like I'm always quoting movies, but it's just the same movies, actually, if you, if you notice. But what movie did this come from? Right? Google it. Yeah, probably not. I don't actually, I honestly, I don't know what you'd find because it's not, as far as I'm aware, it's not from a movie. Um... It's actually posted on my uh, monitor in my office at, at, at the lab. Uh, and uh, I have, what do I have? I have setting squirrel traps while elephants stomp you into pancakes. Then I have do or do not. There is no try. You know where that's from, right? You know where that's from. Um, then I have a fortune cookie. Well, not the cookie, but, you know, the little, the little fortune inside from the cookie that says your current plans are going to succeed. That's good news for everybody because I've had that one for 15 years, though. Um, but that's good news because my plan is to cure FSHD. So, I mean, when has a fortune cookie ever led you astray? Of course, the other 2,000 fortunes are in the trash, but that one's the one that's right. Um, it also has my winning lotto numbers on the back. Um, then I have another saying that says, every morning the deer wakes up knowing that he has to run faster than the tiger, otherwise he will be killed. 
Every morning the tiger wakes up knowing that he has to run faster than the slowest deer, otherwise he will starve. So, regardless of whether you're a tiger or a deer, it's better when the sun comes out to run. Okay, so these are kind of dopey little things I have on my computer. So, so what about this squirrel traps one? Well, this actually came from a sports blog back when I was in Illinois ages ago. I was, that just kind of caught my attention. You know, they were talking about um, some loser NFL franchise, probably the Jets. Good bet. You know, I'm not exactly sure the year, but if you want to just take a guess at a loser franchise in the past 15 years, the Jets is a pretty good bet. Um, and then, you know, saying, okay, so what a, you know, they have a bad year. They can't score any points. Quarterback's always getting sacked. Um, so they draft a bunch of defensive players and then sign a bunch of old free agent, um, you know, uh, linemen or something like that. And so the guy said, you know, it's like setting squirrel traps while elephants stomp you to pancakes. And the point being that, you, you know, there's nothing wrong with setting squirrel traps, but the, the problem, that's not the problem. It's not addressing the problem. And I've always taken this to remind me in lab and my professional life, the most important thing, identify the problem. What is the problem? You know, people are full of good ideas for solutions. We are here to turn on the news. Everyone's got a solution. But, you know, is this, what's actually the true underlying problem? That, that's the key, right? Because um, you may have a fine solution in different circumstances or that might not even take into account reality. But you need to um, have your, you know, what, what's the problem? Start with what is the actual problem, Okay, and I guess and, and I understand people can't agree on that sometimes, but in FSHD, we can agree on it. Aberrant expression of ducts four in skeletal muscle, and that's the problem. And let's not forget that that is the underlying problem in FSHD. And we can think about therapeutics. And you can think about non-ducts. You can think about all sorts of different things. But to me, that is keep your eye on the problem. Understand the problem because that's key to designing good solutions and proper solutions, okay? So the best squirrel tap trap in the world ain't going to stop elephants from uh, stomping into pancakes, okay? So that's why I put that out there. And honestly, I can't remember. <laughs> I mean, you know, Taco Go Crease laugh at me all the time because they're like, they my, we can't figure out how my brain works. I just start talking about something. And I'm sure there's like a little connections through there, but uh, so I can't remember why I put this on there. But I'm, I know why I have it on my computer. All right, keep your eye on the problem. Can't actually remember even what last podcast was about. Um, but anyway, oh, stem cells. It was about stem cells. There you go. There, um, right. So it's something. Right. <laughs> Are you going to fix the problem? And this kind of gets to one of the things I want to talk about. There you go. See, connected. Perfect sense. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was reading online again. I don't. I don't actually do much Facebook. I don't do much. Um, so it's horrible. Send so me messages. I make mean, you go a week win before I get it. Um, but every once in a while I just see, and I don't really flip through too much because mostly I, I honestly don't care, um, you know, about how evil everybody is that doesn't agree with you. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I guess I just grew up different. Um, but I see stuff sometimes that kind of bugs me. And a lot of times what I'm seeing is, is somebody's really psyched about muscular dystrophy article X, you know, whatever. And the article's got nothing to do with FSHD. And that's fine because there's a lot of cool stuff out there, but people seem to have missed that point, right? And this concept of muscular dystrophy is all the same. And you know, I, I know a lot of you. I'm just preaching to the choir. You guys, you guys know. I'm, are we allowed to say that? Um, I don't know why I'm allowed to say anymore. Again, another reason I'm glad I'm not teaching. Holy crap! I would I'd be canceled so fast for. I, well, I won't even say why I'd be canceled because I'd be canceled for telling you why I'd be canceled. Um, but let's just say that. Uh, Muscular dystrophy. No, there's like 90 neuromuscular diseases, 40 plus muscular dystrophies. Really, really break it down. There's nine classes of muscular dystrophy, but you know, there's like 20 limb girdles. There's, you know, there's FSHG one and two. There's Emory Dreyfus, like one through five or seven, or, you know, they keep reclassifying these things. And so I honestly, I don't know how many there are anymore, but, um, but they're all different. On a certain level, they're, they're, you have dystrophic muscle, right? You have some common problems. And there are some common technologies. And we talk about that, you know, successes for one can are successes for others, but there's caveats to that. And uh, I just want to make sure we're all really clear because FSHD is very, very different from all the other muscular dystrophies. It's not just hard to diagnose, which, of course, that's where my FSHD we're trying to do 
research testing. We wouldn't dare do a diagnosis, but we do research testing. And, um, but uh, it's, it's really just very different uh, clinically in the way, it, you know, FSHD is a dominant gain of function disease. Okay. And so what that means is that, you know, it's basically, and you are making something you don't normally have. Okay. That you don't want. Okay. Almost every other, potentially every other, I guess there's maybe some, we'll talk about myotonic for a second, but pretty much all the others are loss of function. Okay. You're missing something that you need. Okay. Duchenne muscular dystrophy, you're missing dystrophin. Okay. Um, in your congenitals, you're missing laminin. Okay. Or former laminin. You know, the, these types of things, you know, in, or you're, you're missing, you know, your, your dystroglycanopathies, you know, you're missing, um, well, one of the, like alpha dystroglycan, <laughs> glycan, you know, so uh, they're pretty much all the sort of loss of function. Okay. And so one way to kind of think about it is if you take, and if you take a, a Duchenne muscular dystrophy muscle cell, a cell from somebody with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and you mix it with a healthy cell and you can have your muscle cells fuse together and you fuse a healthy cell with the Duchenne cell, the dystrophin from the healthy cell actually can migrate in and fuse with the, with the lack of dystrophin in the Duchenne cell and you essentially get a healthy environment, okay? Because you're missing um, some, you're missing dystrophin in, in Duchenne. Now in FSHD, it's the opposite. If you take an FSHD muscle cell and you fuse it to a healthy muscle cell, the Dux4 that is being made by the FSHD muscle cell and that causes pathology there actually will act in trans to the healthy cell. So you more you convert the healthy cell to FSHD, whereas in most of these other dystrophies, you convert the dystrophic cell to healthy. Okay, now genetics is not interesting. Don't worry about genetics. I'm just talking about the protein and downstream of the genetics. The genetics don't change. Okay. And so a lot of what you see in the literature, and, then, and again, they try to make it accessible to everybody. And these reporters, I understand the science reporters are doing, you know, they mean well, they're doing the best they can. Our experience has been they cock up the science pretty, pretty good, um, trying to simplify it. Um, but uh you know, a lot of times they don't even mention what dystrophy. They'll say muscular dystrophy, good, you know, this blah, 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 huge advance in muscular dystrophy. Most of the time it's Duchenne muscular dystrophy and the specifics of it really have nothing to do with FSHD. So why do we care? Because I've told you many times that you should be excited. Um, advances in one help the others, right? And advances in FSHD, you know, but again, there's caveats. And as I always say, the devil's in the details. Um, and so uh, what are the details? Well, for example, um, exon skipping to make a functional dystrophin is probably the most common um, treatment for Duchenne muscular dystrophy, followed close by uh, gene replacement with microdystrophin. Okay, add back a functional dystrophin. Well, you know, functional, not, not complete, but functional, or make the defective gene function like an uh, like a intact gene well pretty much intact gene by exon skipping okay that ain't going to work for fshd right you have an intact dux4 gene that's expressed and you'd want to get rid of it so why do we care well the exon skipping is done with an antisense oligonucleotide and that these cause the 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 machinery to misrecognize splicing junctions as you're making an mRNA out of, you know, as you go through the gene, you make an X, you're transcribing the dystrophin gene and you can eliminate the mistake part of the, of the transcript um, that gives you an aberrant stop codon. So you make a truncated protein or no protein and you can skip that. You can trick it using an antisense oligonucleotide and you end up making a little bit shorter, but you cut out the part that is bad and you end up making um, dystrophin. Now it's missing a few pieces, but that's okay. In a little bit, you know, some is better than none. And so that's what antisense is doing. Well, that same technology can also be used not for just exome skipping, but also for like um, for blocking polyadenylation of the Dux4 gene, for example, 
or for targeted degradation of mRNAs. It's similar, very similar technology. It's going to have the same sort of delivery issues, the same sort of stability, toxicology, and general toxicology issues, cost, dosing. So there are so many things on a certain on, on some levels that are really going to be beneficial from when you see a story on Duchenne muscular dystrophy or myotonic or one of these other things where the big picture is translatable to FSHD, the details maybe not so much, right? So when you see a clinical trial going that, oh, there's this great, you know, great therapy that's going to be approved and go to, or going to be approved for clinical trial uh, for something, um, that just says the technology is moving forward and we're going to learn a lot about the technology. It doesn't mean that that therapy is necessarily going to be applicable to FSHD. On the other hand, sometimes it will. And I used an example of that the other day where, where a drug that boosts mitochondrial output um, that's going to be used for other um, dystrophies uh, could be potentially used for FSHD. And it sounds to me like they ought to give it a try. Maybe we'll try it in our mouse models or something because we know there is mitochondrial dysfunction in FSHD. And so, you know, sometimes it is directly translatable, but that's actually kind of the exception. That's why I was kind of excited about it. But most of the time... Um, and again, I don't sound like I want to tell you, don't get excited about it. But I just want you to understand that we're talking about, again, because it always gets back to how long is it going to take till we cure this thing. Um, you know, it's, you know, these are advances in technology are what are really important. And then the details really need to be FSHD specific. FSHD is a weird disease, very complicated genetics, complicated etiology, complicated pathology. Um, and so we're going to need FSHD specific treatments. And the good news is they're coming. So the antisense technology developed for um, DMD actually developed for myotonic as well. The technology hopefully will translate to FSHD, but the details of how it's going to be used are going to be different. Okay. And again, is that going to make it better or worse or the same? You know, well, we'll find out. There's only one way to do is get it into some people and, and figure it out. Um, but that's, what's really cool. But just remember that the, you know, FSHD really is very, very different from the other uh, um, um, dystrophies. You know, again, even myotonic. Myotonic is considered, that's one often considered the most common um, muscular dystrophy. Again, everyone gets in fight. <laughs> People really do go, like, want to come to blows over how common um, these muscular dystrophies are because everyone wants to be number one, which seems kind of strange. Um, but it's because of funding and pharma interest. I mean, there's a reason for it. But myotonic, again, you have a... a a toxic RNA that is made, which sounds like a gain of function, but what the toxic, what, you know, it's not really toxic. What it really does is you have an RNA, an aberrant RNA that is made that sequesters some really key factors in muscle biology and removes them from the system. And so it's really a loss of function because you can actually rescue myotonic phenotypes by replacing these factors that are taken out of the system by the, by the myotonic um, mutant RNA. And so to me, it's, it's more of a loss of function, but it's, a, um, but it's a dominant loss of function disease as opposed to a gain of function, you know. Um, but again, that's, you know, it's going to have, on one hand, antisense is going to be good for myotonic, we, we believe. It's going to be good for FSHD, but it's going to be functioning in a different way. Okay, so that's just kind of one of the things. Just, just uh, you know, when you when you see stories on, on the, just say, muscular dystrophy, just... Yeah, you know, it's not, probably 95% of the time it's Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And and again, part of that is because it was the first human gene that was cloned, was dystrophin. Um, Lou Kunkel at uh, Boston Children's Hospital and Harvard Medical School, his lab, Eric Hoffman, um, Monaco, the gang, the group, uh, they they cloned dystrophin back in, God, I'm thinking that's like 80, 85 or 86, possibly 87, um, when I was in high school. And, uh, and so that, that's a head start they've had on us in, in Duchenne, right? Because we didn't really ex re accept and realize that Dux4 caused FSHD till 2010, right? So that's, that's a huge head start, right? And so, um, yet I think we actually might actually get something good in the clinic and into people's hands. Um, well, we might actually end up beating them or do something better because the technology is flying now for FSHD. And again, a lot of that because of the development for these other diseases. But I just want people to understand there are, there are some differences. All right. And, you know, and one of the things we actually do talk about is, you know, what is, so what is the most common F, um, muscular dystrophy? And if you follow FSHD, you've probably seen numbers all over the place. You would have no idea how common it is. The answer is nobody knows, right? But 
you know, I've heard the number is, uh, well, I mean, a lot of times people throw around the number 30,000, 40,000 people in the U.S., but man, I put that San Francisco meeting, uh, Avidity or uh, Fulcrum, one of, one of the pharma companies said it was as low as 16,500. I mean, I, I, there's just no freaking way, man. There's no, I believe the number is about 120,000 and well over a million worldwide. I think it's um, very um, widely, under, was it wide, widely, can you be widely underreported? It's going to be widely reported. Well, anyway, I think it's very, it's grossly underreported. I think there are a lot of um, misdiagnosis out there. A lot of people that just are mildly affected that don't either don't know they have FSHD or don't want to tell people they have FSHD. And so I, I think it's actually number one. Uh, and, uh, and this is in prevalence. Okay. Now remember prevalence is the number of people alive today that have a disease. That's disease prevalence. Incidence is the number of live births. Okay. And so what is the rate of disease per live birth? Okay. And so these are very different ways to think of things because if you take a disease where the kids are going to die young, um, the prevalence is pretty low because this is they're all they're dying. Um, the incidence could be actually you know, fair, fairly, fairly, well, it will be substantially higher than the prevalence. Um, something like SMA, something like that for, for kids, right? Without treatment, they're going to die um, very young. Um, Duchenne is one of those. They always use, uh, they either use incidence or they use um, prevalence, very, very carefully worded prevalence. They will say it's the most prevalent disease in males under 30. Okay, because, uh, and considering males is having chromosome XY, uh, it doesn't really matter how you identify. If your chromosomes are XY, that's what matters in Duchenne muscular dystrophy because the dystrophin gene is on X and it is not on Y. So if you have a mutation in your dystrophin gene and on your excellent gene and your Y, your y doesn't have it, then you have Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And really the prognosis is that you're going to die before age 30 or maybe into age 30. That's just very unfortunate. Um now, if you are uh, XX and you know traditionally female, uh, you can have a mutation in one copy of your dystrophin gene, and the other copy on your other X chromosome is uh, is healthy. Well, you make dystrophin, you don't have uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Okay, so if you're really going to be honest about prevalence, you know you count males and females and everybody and every age, and if you go with that. Well, then the numbers start dropping off because you dilute it by half. And then if you go with older people, you know, there's no one, no one with Duchenne that is 50. Uh, so, you know, so, well, a lot of people with FSHD are 50, 70, 80, 90, right? FSHD is the most prevalent disease. You know, and so we got to be careful when you write it because the parent project people come after you. Um, it's the most prevalent disease that affects males and females of all ages. That's FSHD. I think it's more prevalent than myotonic. Um, and, you know, do I have the numbers to back it up? Not really, but they don't have the numbers either. A lot of it is just kind of some population sampling and the testing is not that good. That's one of the reasons we're doing what we're doing with my FSHD. We're making increased accessibility to tests and decreasing costs. And we're finding it everywhere. We're finding it in every population, every ethnic group. And, uh, and so I think what we're going to learn is that it's much higher. Why does that matter? You know, NIH has a budget. And it's actually surprisingly small, but I think it's like $36 billion budget is the traditional NIH budget, 36 billion. You see these numbers being thrown around. Oh, we're going to send 40 billion to Ukraine, which is great. I honestly believe we should support um, sending, um, helping Ukraine fight uh, against their, this invasion. Um, but that's more than the entire budget for NIH. You know, think about that. Okay. And then that budget is going to be divided among all the different institutes. And then the institute, you know, so how much goes into to muscle diseases or how much in the, you know, how much went into FSHD? Uh, I believe the, the answer is about 10 million a year, 10 million a year from NIH. Yeah, give or take a few, but you can go online, look at NIH reporter. NIH reporter reports all the grants for FSHD. You can see my grants in there. You can see everybody, you can see every grant there is for FSHD and you can see FSHD dedicated grants or grants that could be applicable to FSHD and slightly different number. But I think I believe the numbers around $10 million a year 
federal funds to FSHD. And the question is, is that enough? Well, the answer is no. Um, but in case you're wondering, the answer is no. Uh, but the uh, but the more people, if you can make a case that the more and the more people have it, that's an, you know I make an argument. You know, everyone's going to the federal government saying, uh, "Fund us, fund us." You know, our disease is important. And guess what? They're right. Their disease is important. Everybody's disease is important. And whether you're boy in the bubble, right? If you're the bubble boy, six people a year have that. You know what? They they still count. You know, but when um, when a hundred thousand people in the U.S. have the have FSHD. Yeah, that's just a it's just a different story, and you know, yeah, there's just not enough money. That's just bottom line. Um, well, there's enough money for pet projects and all sorts of crap, um, but there's not enough money for you know, when you go and ask for something really, really useful like uh, um, biomedical research, which would be cost effective, actually. Well, never. I'm just, I'm just going. Sorry, I'm just going to go nuts if I start talking about how cost effective it would be to actually cure one of these and relieve disease burden from the economy, keep people in the workplace, um, whatever. You guys know. Anyway, so so there's reasons to know. So uh, I believe, uh, and uh, we're gonna, we're, you know, it's it's a tough job to kind of show it, but I, I'm I'm just gonna keep pounding it that FSHD is the most prevalent um, of the muscular dystrophies. Um, affects um, men and women and everyone. We'll just say everyone um, of all ages. Right, everyone's at risk, but has the potential. Okay. Anyway. Um, and lock my doors for when the parent project people storm it and demand that every single penny get used on Duchenne muscular dystrophy. I get it that their kids are dying and, and I wish that wasn't the case, but you know what? Everybody counts. Okay. Um, I don't know. Is that are you allowed to say that? Everybody matters. I mean, who, who knew that would get you in trouble? All right. So, um, Oh, so, so kind of, yeah, I'm the same. You know, it's kind of, I always like to tell some stories and um, I do want to, you know, make, make note that, you know, it is Memorial Day weekend and, you know, I guess I always wear my, I, I never used to find myself saying, boy, you know, are we allowed to say that? Are we allowed to say that type of thing? Oh, God, and I, I really am terrified to teach a class now um, between cell phones, videotaping me, what kind of idiotic thing I kind of say on the side, getting somebody's pronoun wrong and being fired um, you know, just because God knows, you just don't know what's going on. Actually saying God knows and being told that that's offensive. Um, you know, so since it's Memorial Day, I just want to say how much I appreciate. I've appreciated growing up in this country and the sacrifices by the men and women through the ages to um, give us the freedoms that uh, people seem interested in giving away or taking away. And, you know, I think places like uh, Ukraine, it's really wonderful to see uh that people, uh, and I think it is also in our uh, Cuban community down in South Florida, you'll see this as well. People have come home from Venezuela, um, places that um, don't have freedoms. They actually seem to appreciate this much more um, than uh, than we do nowadays. And so I'm really appreciative of the, I actually, I wish we could support the support Ukraine more. I'm really, I, I thought it was fantastic that, uh, when <laughs> given the opportunity to load a plane with the elites and flee, they decided to stay and fight. Um, you know, we used to be like that. And uh, I think that that's great. Europe's better off for it. The world's better off for it. Um, and anyway, this this Memorial Day, I appreciate everybody that has served. Um, I, you know, I actually, have, I did not serve. And it's kind of interesting. I've always, you know, since growing up, that boy, you know, mandatory military service wouldn't be such a bad thing. You know, I know some countries do that. And the reason I say that is I was just an arrogant, immature ass coming out of high school. And man, a couple of years in the military would have just whipped me into shape. I turned out okay, but man, you know, I damn near flunked out of college because I was just a dope. And uh, I just wasn't, I just didn't, I, it had something to be said for a couple of years, just, just for my own good, wouldn't have been bad move. Um, spoiled brat like me. Even though I didn't come from a school that was very good school, I mean it's like also kind of interesting. You're going back to my high school reunion, and you know, so the school I went to used to get an award from the military for putting the most people in the state of Ohio into the military. We were not a college prep school. You know, when you're um, a poor kid from uh, northern Ohio, um, you know it's a pretty good life. You know, and you and your life means something. You're doing something anyway. Really appreciative. I'll tell you a story in a sec. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, you know, it's Memorial Day, so I just want to kind of, you know, 
recenter somewhat. You know, there's not a, everything's not about FSH. Well, everything's not about FSHD. We're we're lucky that we ha- we live in a country where we can do something about FSHD. I'm very fortunate. One of the things that's kind of interesting is, you know, I talk to people all around the world. Um, it is interesting, you know. Uh, you turn on the news here and it's where we're the worst place in the world to live. You're looking around. Yeah, it's not perfect. Yeah, some bad stuff happens. But you know what? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, my, my friends in Nigeria, Praise, his brother, the gang, they're like, please, Dr. Jones, you know, help us get out of Nigeria into the U.S. And let's go to the southern border and walk across, man. Well, he's in a wheelchair. He can't. But, I mean, unfortunately, that's the way to do it. Uh, you know, friends in Kenya, please, can you help us get our family over to the U.S. to get educated? You know, growing up, um, there was a big contingent, our soccer team. Um, I was the one kid that was not from um, Guyana. You know, after the Jim Jones thing, a bunch of people came on up and ended up in northern Ohio. You know, we had the, the Guyanan connection, man, and our, uh, our soccer team. I was the white kid in the middle. Um center half you know and i had leon donovan bradford and the whole gang man anthony sean you want to get an example of coming sorry i'm just gonna i got to you know we had to end up forfeiting all i think i I can't remember what i've told you enough we had to forfeit all our games um because this dude um what is it it andre man andre blue um probably shouldn't use it well whatever man (laughs) Andre, his brother Sean runs there, and Andre's playing. He's just dude's like a full boat beard. You know, he's got this full beard playing soccer for us. He's from Guyana. He's in the high school. Turned out he's like 23 or something, you know, which is illegal in the Ohio State High School code. But he was just so happy to have an opportunity to go to school. I mean, this guy, I mean, we got we got all the kids born in Toledo. They're like skipping out on school, man. You turn 16, you're hanging out on the stoop down at the store, wherever, you know. I I know where my friends were hanging out and uh, getting out of school. These guys are fighting to get into school, not to cause trouble, to actually freaking go to school. And, you know, yeah, we're not perfect, but, you know, we're pretty damn good. And and I love this country, man, I got to tell you. And you know what? You can disagree with me, and that's your right. I don't care. Disagree with you. We used to have the right to have civil discourse. Um, and part of that, you know, it's kind of cool. So my grandfather fought in World War II. Since this is a memorial, I'll tell you a little bit about my grandpa. Uh, he was, um, he Italian, you know, I uh, went to med school in Italy and also at Cornell, two places, educated both places from upstate New York. He was drafted, uh, into the military in World War II, despite having two kids and being 4F. He had, um, was sent off to the Aleutian Islands, uh, probably cause he was Italian, <laughs> come to think of it. Cause you know, the Italians in Europe were considered the bad guys and, I went to uh, the Aleutian Islands, and again, whether you know or not, the Japanese did invade the U.S. soil. They were on uh, um, Kiska and Sitka, and there's some fierce fighting. Some of it was Marines fighting at themselves, shooting at themselves, but, you know, the Japanese were there. And actually, I got I have the bombs to prove it in my living room, actually. Um, you know, Grandpa brought back a piece, this insane pieces of shrapnel that he took out of people. He was a medical doctor, and... Oh, it's just, you see some of the stuff, you can't believe what, what people do to each other. Um, bullets, bombs, I have a mortar shell, I got some hand grenades, oh, everything's deactivated, but, you know, Japanese writing on and stuff that was all picked up on U.S. soil. And, uh, you know, then what happened was his, uh, he suddenly got um, released from the army, um, suddenly, and, uh, you know, out of the blue, and his unit was sent to uh, England, and they were in the first wave that hit the beaches of Normandy. And he was not part of that. And I assume because he was uh, in his 40s and a medical doctor, two young kids in 4F, and they kind of knew, knew that that was not going to be a fun trip. Okay, not a high survival rate of that. And his unit basically got wiped out. Um, my mom said she met one of the survivors, uh, one of the few, uh, maybe the only survivor from his unit one time um, after the war. It was just totally screwed up by it. Uh, but, you know, it's tough. It's, but you know what? It was important to um, uh, fix the mistake of appeasing a dictator. And, uh, you know, and that's a lesson that should never be lost in history. Um, that you can't, uh, that you give a little, they just never have enough and keep taking more. And very appreciative of all the men and women that have um, 
fought for the freedom of the U.S. and of Europe and around the world and continue to do so. Um, we're, we're very appreciative of this uh, Memorial Day. And now here I am married to a Japanese woman. Actually, I think my Grandpa Sammy would uh, would totally approve. You know, in fact, I know he would. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, the enemies one day, they can, uh, you know, times change and uh, people change. And, uh, you know, now uh, Japan, well, <laughs> we consider Japan great friends. They might be looking at us kind of sideways right now. But uh, anyway, it's just interesting. Life comes full circle. All right. So I'll just interject so that <laughs> I, mean, I do want to, um, you know, I, you know me, I always go off the rails and go sideways and think about things. No Memorial Day, I, I do understand that, that it is about those who didn't make it home and remembering the, their sacrifices that gave their lives in the service of our country and, and the world, frankly, in the service of the world. The U.S. military, as, as far as I'm concerned, is in the service of um, freedom and what's right in the world. I, I understand that I'm, 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 it's not the time to debate uh, whether we, we've made mistakes or not as a country. Um, one thing that's clear is that uh, you know America, as far as I'm concerned, is a wonderful place to live, and a lot of the world is got um, enjoys the uh, benefits of the sacrifices of uh, the U.S. military personnel uh, who who gave their lives fighting in battles, you know, around the world actually, uh, and um, we're you know this this weekend is about remembering those individuals. Um, those men and women who gave their lives uh but you know I, I think it's always a good time as well to uh also appreciate those who continue to serve and those who did come home but didn't really come home intact or complete and i always felt talking to grandpa uh after world war ii i mean actually there was some pretty bad fighting out in the, the Aleutians, and then he was very well aware that his entire unit except for one individual uh um, gave their lives in Normandy and you know there's just I think that just affects people as well and I guess that's maybe a time I met Veterans Day is more of a time to, to do that uh, but you know I think we should always appreciate um, the service uh, of people that has uh, afforded us our freedoms that maybe sometimes we take two for granted and that uh, our freedoms are, are very costly have been very costly um, in, in human life. And, you know, one of the best ways we can honor the sacrifices of these individuals is to, uh, you know, keep, uh, is to keep up our freedoms and protect our freedoms uh, here and around the world um, so that their sacrifices weren't, weren't in vain. Uh, so, yes, on Memorial Day, uh, <laughs> I, let's remember those who didn't make it home. Um, you know, and kind of quite honestly, that every day let's be thankful for those who continue to uh, protect us and and provide us uh, the freedoms we seem to take for granted. All right, so back to um, FSHD stuff. Uh, what do we got going here? Um, all right. Oh yeah. So we got the um, the IRC is coming up. That's the uh, uh, well, actually, IRC. Screw it. I'm not going to that. That's the uh, that's a science meeting down in Orlando for FSHD. They haven't. I'm I'm actually skipping that. <laughs> I won't say why. But we're skipping it. Not interesting. Um, but we are going to be at the patient meeting, and I'm really thrilled. Actually, two weeks from today, I'm going to be going to uh, uh, San Francisco to pick up the and her dad that's my friend from vietnam she is uh um has fshd she's never met anybody else that's had fshd she's from hanoi and uh you know we're having them come in as our guests they're gonna come stay at the lab tour the labs hang out at the house um maybe you see some bears see those stupid ducks um and their duck eggs and uh we're going to uh then head on to the i uh, the patient connect meeting in orlando we'll get in uh hey if you guys are going to be down there um i'm heading to nasa i'm going to take them over to the space coast on friday over to nasa and check that out that, i love that man that that's like the best thing you can do i mean i'm not a, i'm not a epcot disney well definitely not an epcot disney guy um i am but but nasa you gotta love that and uh um space coast is, is great so we're heading over there friday yeah, I actually got a couple extra seats in the in my rental car. 
Um, and then uh, Friday, then Saturday, we're going to be at the Connect. I hope you see us. Uh, she made us some really great uh, My FSHD vests um, that we'll be sporting. So it will be pretty easy to pick out. And um, if you don't know what we look like, and we'll be the, we're going to be, the, what, are the, what would you call us, a redheaded stepchild of, uh, you allowed to say that, um, of the uh, of the FSHD community. And um, we're going to be there. So please say hi. Come and introduce yourself. Uh, she's just the nicest person, you know, and uh, really just want, you know, wants to get some educated and become a better advocate for rare disease when she goes back to Vietnam. And, you know, they need a lot of help. So, you know, we're going to do all we can. And um, also, I think it's good that for you all to see, um, you know, the impact that we can have as a global um, FSHD community. We keep pounding that. We're, we're a worldwide FSHD community. We're united by that. You know what? We're going to get diagnostics to everybody. We're going to get therapies to everybody. We're going to get the cure for everybody. Everybody counts, man. All right. So, uh, so see us there. Then actually, we're going to go, you know, she's in town. You know, she, you know, she only... She's like, yeah, I got five days off from work. <laughs> you know, she said works at a translator. And she's like, you know, he wants to tour America. Um, there is a little bit of a misconception, I think, internationally on how big this country is. Uh, tour America. <laughs> I'm like, Christ, you're on a plane for three days. Um, frankly, you know, it's just, I mean, you, you, coming in, it's not bad because it's like a 12-hour time difference. Going out, you lose the 12 hours. It takes forever. Um, so I, I got her, she asked her boss, got some extra time off. And so we're going to head on up on a Sunday night and go to Washington, DC. So if you're in the area, we're going to be around for a few days touring around. I know DC pretty well. I was a postdoc in national institutes of health in Bethesda for, for four years. So I haven't been, to, I used to go to DC for NIH study section twice a year. So I, I love DC actually. Some of my best favorite restaurants. Um, love going to the Smithsonian off season. Gotta tell you, June's not my favorite month in DC. Um, love the fall, but anyway, we're going to be there. So if you're around, let me know. Send me, we have, you know, maybe we can get together. Same then from there, we're heading up to the city. I got a rental car and eh, you know, the train's more expensive than flying. When did that happen? Jeez. Wonder why Amtrak got with government subsidies and there still costs like 300 bucks a ticket to take a train from DC to New York. You kidding me? So anyway, I got a rental car and actually it's an easy drive. I used to drive to the city to see my sister. We'd just go up for dinner and back, man. So, um, easy drive from DC. And we're gonna hang out. Uh, she's got a dress that she said looks like the Statue of Liberty. So I'm I can't wait to see that. She's gonna get her picture by the Statue of Liberty, wearing her Statue of Liberty vest. What more? What what better could you see? A young young woman from Vietnam, in the U.S., loving the Statue of Liberty. You know what? It's fantastic, man. And uh, and we'll see. Uh, probably hit the. I think we're gonna stay down. We're staying down in the financial district. Uh, you know the city's changed so much since I was last there. Um, we're going to be around for a few days. So again, you know, I know I got some of my FSHD friends in the city. Maybe we can get together. Um, fire it up. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, honestly, I'm going to let them go to the Statue of Liberty by themselves and probably do some of the stuff. And I'm going to hang out back in the, on my computer to get some work done. Write reports probably. Although we'll see. I don't know. It depends on how safe I feel. Anyway, I'd love to get together. So um, that's kind of our summer, our summer trips, you know, uh, but it's all about it's all about FSHD, man. We're we're gonna you know just part of it is to say that you know what you might you have this this disease sucks, but you know what you can still get around, you can still live your life, and we're gonna make the most of it. All right. So uh, part of that is also gonna be you know getting back to the diagnostics. You know that's how I met thee. She contacted me. Um, actually, June Kinoshita put us in touch. I guess she had contacted the June about getting diagnostics. We were able to send some kids to Vietnam, diagnose her. And then we've helped a, a family in southern Vietnam get diagnosed as well. And so um, that's how we got together. And that really highlights, you know, our diagnostic program. So I want to just kind of talk about that briefly again. <laughs> just I don't want there to be any mis misconception. Um, you know, I hope I didn't come across like I'm complaining about how much work, you know, we, we choose to do this. We volunteer to do it. Um, we're actually not getting paid to do, do this really. This is, we run a full-time research lab. Uh, you know, we have our company, we got all sorts of things we're doing. We're doing this because we want to do it. We love doing it. We want to have impact. The truth of the matter, I feel like I'm letting you all down. That's what, that's why I, I got to tell you what's going on. I actually do. I honestly feel like I'm letting you guys down. You guys are coming to us for help. You, you, insurance is screwing you. You're not getting it covered. Your doctors are clueless, you know, or making mistakes, or or maybe you do know what's going on. And you just want to have your kids checked out, and you're freaking out, 
you know, there's, there's also, there's just, you know, I've talked to so many of you by zoom and on the phone and, you know, I've had my own health issues that um, we, we don't really talk about. I do understand better than you realize um, <laughs> how scary diagnostics can be, how scary it can be when something's wrong and you don't know what's wrong and, uh, or even scary when you do know what's wrong. Um, I get it. And, uh, I really do commiserate with you on that. And, and that's why it just drives me nuts that sometimes it takes us six or eight weeks to get you an answer, but we want to get you the right answer and we want to help as many people as possible. And, you know, quite honestly, it's, you know, it does a lot of it comes down to cost. Um, you know, we are so grateful to, uh, friends of FSH research. Um, FSHG Canada is really actually the funding from FSHG Canada that just came in. We're going to be able to use to hire somebody. That's actually what it's for is they, they came to us, you know, I got to give them, you know, the, the Canada and, and this really fantastic family up in Vancouver. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say who they are. Um, uh, came to us and said, how can we help? This is really important. Uh, they understood the importance of it in Canada and around the world. Said, so how can we help? And so they gathered up $100,000 for us. Very easy, very straightforward. And said, you know, could I need some personnel? Because it's just we're being overwhelmed by by the need. And and so they came through. And that and then you know what? That's that's how it should be. <laughs> Imagine that. Is how how odd is that? Right? A foundation coming to you saying, how can we help? Well, actually, it's not as odd as you think. Friends of FSH did the same thing. Hey, we love your diagnostic program. How can we help? Here's a check, you know. Um, Chris Carino always asking, "How can we help, man, dude?" You know, when, when now that the this basketball season's over, um, well, it is for the Nets at least. You know, how can we help? That's how Chris is always calling, checking. How, how, what can I do to help? You know, FSHD um, Global in in Australia. You know, there. You know, sorry, it's just a shit show in Australia when it comes to um, diagnostics. But Natalie um, Cooney, she's she's on it. She's gonna fix it you know, and we're helping them and they get together with us, you know, how can they help us? How can we help them to fix testing in Australia? And so, yeah, I just really appreciate this sort of, you know, re reducing the red tape and getting on board, but you know, it's, you know, it's, it's not sound ungrateful to say it's not enough, but you know, honestly, it's not enough. You know, you know why? Um, because the needs just astronomical, right? You know, we have 10,000 people in Brazil that need testing and that's not an exaggeration, by the way. Um, we're working with 18 hospitals there. I know that's not your problem, but, uh, you know what, we're going to help as many as we can. We just got this huge group in Peru, um, big group in South Africa. Um, then everywhere around the world, people are, are need help. And the more they hear about this in Argentina, we're working. And so, and throughout the U and still the vast majority of the people that we're helping are in the United States. Okay. And for the same problem, I mean, man, I had a conversation this week with somebody who told me, that her neurologist didn't know what to do. Okay. I mean, seriously said, well, I don't know what to do. You know what? You came back, you know, I think you have FSHD. We ran the test. They got the test. The FSHD one test came back negative. Well, don't know what to do. Done. Seriously. I mean, not even testing for, I don't even know how to, I mean, how do you not, I mean, Google it, man. How do you test FSHD2? Is there an FSHD2? I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just horrific. Some of these stories I hear. And so we want to help um, other people. You know, I got someone else. We just sent eight kits off to somebody because you know what? They got six, six kids, right? That need to be checked out. You know, it's in the family. You know, you can't afford that. If insurance ain't covering that, you can't afford that. Right. But we can help. And so I think there's just this tremendous need for the testing and man, I wish we could just do it. And I know if it was a one person thing, I could do it really fast. Hell, back at UMass, um, I gotta be careful how I say this. Hypothetically, if we were to have done this, um, it would have taken like three days to turn something around. You know, and I, actually, we were legally allowed to do our our testing, our research analysis. We just were not allowed to um, return the result to somebody. Um, so we could do the testing. So I know for a fact that if we got a saliva sample from someone, we actually, the fastest we can turn it around is actually three days. Um, that's because the sequencing service was actually right there. Um, probably now we can do it in five days if I had to um, from when we got it. Yeah, we could do it in five days. Uh, depending on the day because of weekends, the sequencer is closed. Uh, um, of course, we never would have um, returned the results to somebody. But hypothetically, if we did, we could have gotten an answer for somebody, you know, really, really cheap. And well, actually, we'd never charge it. We never charge anybody. So it would have been, um, yeah, about three days. And I kind of always forget about that because now, right now, we're running 
four to six weeks. Occasionally I get someone done in two weeks. Um, it just, and it's, it's not because we're not, I mean, we're just trying hard and there's a lot can go wrong, but you know, I, I just actually, I feel horrible that it's taken so long, but it just gets to the logistics. There's just too many. We, we literally have hundreds of samples right now waiting in line and, and we've actually ramped up how fast we can do that. I used to say, well, you know, you got to wait until we get 60. That's not the problem. We already got six. We got the next six. We just got this, got the first batch done. We got that actually batch done Friday night and we already have another full load that needs to go, but we just need to be able to process it and do everything. You find out if you, if I ever took you through it, um, on a, a process on how we do the sequencing, you'd see it's actually quite involved. And we got to be really careful and we don't do too many at once because we want to make sure we don't mix up anybody's samples. And it's just, it's not as easy as it might sound. I know that's all I want to say is we're very careful. It's much more complicated than than it may seem. And, um, and we're doing the best we can. And And I really, really apologize that it's taken so long. And you know what? Not a single person has ever been rude or, or impolite. So it's not that I just, I can hear it in your voice. I can, I know how, desperate people are to get their not for clinical use research result and uh man we're doing we're doing our best i just i just don't want to let you guys down all right man so uh that's about uh that's about it you know uh i guess we'll yeah didn't don't you know yeah i don't know i got yeah i got brad coming you know i always do better when i got a a co-host or guest on me just rambling on is kind of tough because i go sideways too many times um, but I got Brad, our angry dad, coming on on Wednesday. He's going to be with us. He's got another list of questions about things that he, he – I don't know what it is. He just He's ready to go. Um, he's always good to have on. Great representative of the of the FSHD community. And, um, you know, he's got a, a wife and a kid with FSHD. And, man, you know, this – and, he, you know, he's – he asks really, really good questions. And I hope, I bet they're the same questions you have. So he'll be on on Wednesday. Um, once, uh, once Thea's here, I'm going to do something. We're going to talk about the impact of um, FSHD diagnostics and, and just about FSHD in other parts of the world and how, what, what can we do as a community to help, right? There's only so much you can do, but what could we do to help? Um, and again, I, I know people, well, I don't know what you're thinking actually, but <laughs> some people might say, hey, what about me? Um, what about here at home? Yeah, you know, we do got to fix it here in the U.S. first. And I say first because, you know, we can afford to do it. We got the facilities to do it. But I just want to make sure that when we do fix it here in the U.S., we do fix FSHD, um, that it, it becomes, that it's available for everybody in the world, you know. And that's actually real important. That's actually one of the reasons we started our company is we want some level of control over um cost and distribution now we'll see you know everything starts with good intentions we'll see how long we're able to keep that up won't because our intentions change but sometimes the finances sometimes the logistics just just force things to change but we're going to get it done all right man so um oh you know it was a real bummer this you know there are a lot of things this week that sucked right and um i don't want to belittle any of it uh but yeah one of the things that you know to kind of hit home also was uh man right ray liotta died Right. And he was, uh, that's, that, that's the tie in, I guess, to, to, um, <laughs> I gotta be careful. I started thinking about gangsters and, and the mob. I started thinking about foundations. Um, not all of them. And, uh, but I was thinking, you know, Ray died and, and he, you know, Goodfellas, absolutely the best mobster movie out there. Um, and true story. I mean, I, we can argue about the, the Godfather trilogy, but you got, you need 12 hours for that, man. And I do love The Godfather. Absolutely spectacular. Some of the best quotes ever are in that. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, and actually, you know, some of it was filmed. You can go see the house that they had up here on Lake Tahoe, out on the California side, kind of southwest side of Tahoe, the the, the house where they filmed the scene where they took uh, Fredo out in the boat for one last fishing trip um, is up there. But, but uh, Goodfellas, oh, great movie. But I think, you know, one thing about Ray is, uh, apart from the fact I just feel like we're kind of the same generation, I can't believe people in my age group are dying in their sleep, healthy. I hate to say I hope something's wrong with them. I hope he didn't, but it just kind of freaks me out a little bit. But um, he's in great movies. And so there's one that you guys probably don't watch. It was called uh, Something Wild. Okay. And... uh, 
And, but again, the highlights. What a what a great actor he was. Because, uh, I mean, just I mean that movie just I still think about that movie all the time. And you know, not for the reasons if if you're familiar with the movie, it's not for what you think. And one of the reasons you may not have seen it is the first half of the movie, Melanie Griffith doesn't have her top on most of the time. Um, and I can't remember if it's before or after Bonfire of the Vanities because they, they're probably fake, so it shouldn't count. But the the point is that it's really got nothing to do with the movie. It's 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 actually the the storyline is actually a really good storyline. It is it is a lot of twists and turns that you don't really see coming. And Ray Liotta plays a dude that is just scary as hell. And and you can actually know that guys like this are out there. And man, every time someone like jams their brakes on me when I'm like driving, you know, I mean, I'm from Boston. You know, we drove in, drove in Boston. I mean, people out here would die driving on the East Coast because, my God, if you get within eyesight of them, they think you're tailgating them. Um, and they slam on their brakes all the time. The road rage is just outrageous out here. Um, so one thing, I guess, my one complaint about about uh, Nevada is that idiots don't know. Is they, they just, you know, a little bit too too tense on the road rage. Um, but I always think about Ray, Ray Liotta's character from Something Wild. Um, because I just think, you know, every time I want to give these guys a, a little wave um, <laughs> and a not-so-friendly wave, I think, you know, that could be Ray in that truck. Yeah, you could follow me home. Yeah, you know you know what? I think I'll just back off and let this bozo have 50 feet in all directions so he doesn't feel stressed. And, uh, and uh, anyway, check out Something Wild, but I'm going to give a little shout-out to Ray with, uh, with this song from the movie. Trogs, 1966. Yeah, predates me. Uh, but you know, it's a classic. One of the best, one of the best songs and all-time great songs. Rolling Stone actually got it right once. Um, truly an all-time great song. But also the whole soundtrack from Something Wild is fantastic. That's a 1986 movie. David Byrne did a lot of the soundtrack. That's Talking Heads, right? You have some um, New Order in there. Uh, just a whole lot of great songs in, in there as well. And, you know, honestly, it's a fun movie. If you see the cut version on regular TV, if it's ever on, it's probably going to be pretty short. 
Um, but if you see the uncut version, do it after the kids go to bed. And again, it's not, I don't think it's gratuitous. It just is kind of, but, but the story, it's just, I like the story. I'm not promoting anything. I'm just saying, I like the story. I think it's a great, great story. And and just, just to see Ray Liotta's character and to think, holy crap, what if I ever, maybe it'll make you think twice before you, you, you flip off somebody who cuts you off. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, there's scary dudes out there, man. Great actor. I'm really going to be missed. All right, man. So have yourself a safe and um, good uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, keep in mind, you know, what the weekend's all about. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, be thankful in the U.S. for our freedoms. And for those of you outside the U.S., come give us a visit. And, uh, you know, we have a great country here. You know, the news isn't always great. We could do better. And we should always strive to do better. But you know what? We're pretty damn good. So, uh, and we're very grateful. So, uh, see you all later. Have a good weekend and uh, catch you on Wednesday.